At the end of our holiday this last week, um, we finished our holiday on the Friday evening as such. And because we were sort of like in the center of the country, in Bedford area, I said to Claire, why don't we go see your mum and dad for a night and we'll call into Chelmsford while we're nearby and we'll just stay there. And so we did. Friday afternoon when we'd finished, we packed up and came out of our holiday residence, um, stuck into the sat-nav, the address of the in-laws, and away we went. Um, where we were at Woburn, I, to get into Chelmsford, I really didn't know the way, so I was totally reliant on the sat-nav completely. Anyway, ha- things were fine. Halfway down the road, Claire's mum rings, because she's got the dinner on and she's got the tea going and all those other things as she does when you're going to the mother-in-laws. It's all ready so that when you walk in the door, it's all laid out. We're about halfway there, and she rings to find out how we're getting on on the journey and all those other things. And Claire turns around to me and she says, Mother wants to know where are we? I said, I don't know. I've no idea. And I didn't. I was just happily following the sat-nav. And actually, when you think about it, the fascinating thing about these modern-day devices, whether they're compass or satellite navigation or things, they give us the illusion that we know where we are when actually we haven't got a clue. I was driving along merrily, following its instructions. I didn't feel lost at all. Did I know where I was? No. Couldn't tell her. I just had to say, well, we'll be there in 35 minutes. I've no idea where we are. For the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, to all intents and purposes, they knew where they were going. They were going to Emmaus. From Jerusalem to the village of Emmaus, seven miles. I'm guessing they must have walked it many times. No sat-nav was needed whatsoever. Cleopas, as we're told here in Luke, and probably it was his wife, because we're told in other Gospels that um, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, was present at the crucifixion. So it's highly likely that this was Cleopas and his wife going home. They've decided to go home to this little-known village, Emmaus. Wasn't a popular place, wasn't a, a seat of tourism. It was where they lived. They were disillusioned. They were despondent. They were heading in the direction of Emmaus, and they were following a recognized route. They were not lost at all. And yet, actually, they were. They were not lost at all, but actually, they were. Their feet followed the warm path to Emmaus, but their hearts were seeking a sense of direction. They knew Jesus was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all people. But they'd been hoping that Jesus, the promised Messiah, would redeem Israel. And their hopes had been dashed when the Jewish religious leaders succeeded in hammering him to a cross and killing him. So they were going home, dejected, disappointed. And I think they didn't understand why God had let them down. God hadn't come through as they hoped he would. 
And so the events of the last few days had left them like lost sheep in need of a guide. They weren't bleating, they weren't moaning, they were lamenting. Their language was one of sorrow. It was one of disappointment, it was one of disillusionment. And they were walking through death's dark veil. They needed somebody to shepherd them through. You know, it's no surprise that in Luke's gospel, one of the very first stories he tells post-resurrection is of Jesus coming alongside these two on the Emmaus Road. Throughout his gospel, Luke makes a big thing about Jesus' passion for the lost. If you go back a few chapters from there in chapter 24, go back to chapter 15 and you'll find Luke telling you the story of Jesus' parables. Three parables about things that were lost being found. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Being lost and found was important to Luke. These followers on the Emmaus Road were lost. They needed to be found. And that was something that mattered enormously to Jesus. But actually these were vulnerable people. And they needed handling with grace. Jesus doesn't come alongside them and make himself known in a really dramatic way. He doesn't appear to them in a blinding flash. It's not like Paul on the Damascus Road here. You see, these people needed handling with grace. They're not confronted by the Lord in triumph who sends them straight back into Jerusalem. But like many of the resurrection appearances, it's gentle. It's a quiet affair. Jesus is simply there until he speaks. And as he walks with them, he asks them questions that helps them understand. There's a careful listening, a careful drawing alongside that arouses their curiosity and it helps remove their grief. I was really disappointed when I was on holiday to read in the paper or to hear on the news that the first ministers for Scotland's harping on about another Scottish referendum. I shouldn't be surprised. She's been doing it for a very long time. I happen to be one who loves Scotland and I would like the, the union to stay in place. I really would. I don't know what your views are. I'm not so sure I want to know them this morning. Some people's opinions are treated very seriously. But others weigh into the debate who surprise us all. And one of the things I remember from last time we had this whole Scottish independence referendum debate was this surprising voice that came forward, the voice of David Bowie. And he used an award he got at a music festival, the Brit Awards or something like that. And in his speech... Instead of talking about his award, all he said was four little words. Scotland, stay with us. I didn't ever realize that David Bowie was an impassioned supporter of the union. Obviously he is. But those words, stay with us. Those were the same words that were used on the Emmaus Road. After walking a while with Jesus, the three of the people on the Emmaus Road reached the village. 
And Jesus indicates that he's actually going to go on further. He's not staying in Emmaus. He's actually on a route somewhere else. And at that point, he's met with a passionate plea. It's not just a casual offer. It's a passionate plea. Stay with us. The scripture says here in Luke 24, they urged him strongly. Do you sense they don't want him to go? They don't want him to carry on his travels. And do you know what? I I think that Jesus' methods on the road to Emmaus were clearly making an impact on these two. So much so that when he says he's going on, they don't want him to. They want him to stay because he's helping them no end. Their questions were being answered. The situation was being made clearer. And although there was still a degree of confusion, I wonder if these two folk on the Emmaus Road really felt a sense of leading, of shepherding that was clearly affecting them within their spirit. And hence they make this passionate plea to this stranger, stay with us. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus chooses to stay. And amidst scenes of deepest gloom on that road where they're disillusioned and disappointed, the hand of Jesus leads them back to the point of belief and understanding. And there as he takes his place in their home, Jesus moves from being a listener to being a befriender, to being a teacher. It's funny, isn't it? The disciples had never understood while he was with them all three years of his ministry, what he was trying to tell them whilst he lived with them about the nature of his work, about what it would mean for Jesus to be the saviour. And so here again, he seeks to explain. Do I think this was a comprehensive tutorial on the various theories of the atonement? Probably not. Instead, I like to think that using scripture... Jesus, the risen Christ, showed them the true nature of the Messiah. He actually showed them it in Scripture with the keys to unlocking the mystery of finding truth. And you know, 2,000 years on, that is still the same. That in unlocking Scripture, we find the secret to unlocking mystery and truth. You know, Jesus is doing an important thing here. He's engaging their minds and their intellect. Because when our intellectual curiosity is awakened, then we find solid reasons to believe. You see, their faith couldn't be based just upon emotion and feeling. It couldn't. That wouldn't see them through. He couldn't just say to them, Hey, folks, I'm alive. All's well. It had to be more than that. He had to make sure that they understood what had happened and why it had happened. Lucy Booth Helborg, the youngest daughter of the founder, wrote a beautiful hymn that's in our songbook, Keep on Believing Jesus is Near. And in one of the verses of that, she says this line, Live above feeling. Victory is there. You know, if our faith is just based upon feeling, we're snookered. 
We're snookered. Jesus engages the intellect and the minds of these two on the Emmaus Road. He sits them down and he opens up scripture. And he says, this is what's happened. Do you understand? He takes them back all the way to Moses. The encounter was more than just befriending and teaching. And it included an opportunity worship that wasn't contrived. The dinner came, and warmed by the presence of the stranger, quickened by the teaching from the scriptures, he takes a piece of bread and he breaks it, and there they recognize him. And their lives at that moment were transformed. A simple action, that's all it was, breaking bread. But it triggered something in their memory. They'd seen this before. They'd seen him break bread like this before. It had to be the saviour. And with his hands breaking bread, he led them to the point of recognising him. Risen and there with them. Verse 33 tells us that they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Returned at once to Jerusalem. Didn't wash up, didn't pack up, didn't unpack the bags, change the clothes, repack, go the following morning after a good night's sleep. No, 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 no. They went back straight away because all the things that had caused them to head to Emmaus were gone. And without fear, and gather, they gathered their things and they didn't even wait till morning. They returned to the others. And what had happened to them? Suddenly, they were followers again. On the road to the Emmaus, they were lost. But now they've been found. They were followers and they wanted to get back to Jerusalem to the other followers as well. Let's be frank, they had no idea where their faith journey would take them. But strangely enough, they weren't lost anymore. Do you know what? You don't always need to know the destination to have a sense of direction. You don't always need to know the destination to have a sense of direction. 28 years ago this month, I became an officer. I had no idea where that was going to take me. No idea of the beautiful appointments I would end up in. All of them have enriched my life. All of them. Some of them have tested me to the end. But all of them have enriched me. But you know, no stage in the 27 years did I not have a sense of direction. Even though I didn't know where the next letter was going to send me to. It didn't mean I didn't have a sense of direction because I did. I knew I'd been called. I knew what life meant for me. You know, one of the amazing things about this story for me is that these two were met by a stranger and that stranger happened to be God. And it makes me challenged to always be open to the possibility of God meeting us in the stranger. God meeting us in the stranger. In half an hour's time, we're going to go to the open air. We're going to take God to the world. That's what we want to do. We're going to try and introduce 
God to strangers. I wonder if, as you go to the open air today, you might be open to the possibility that somebody you might meet in Bull Street might just happen to be God meeting you through them. You know, very often I go to that open air in the, the bull ring and so many times God speaks to me through the strangers more than me speaking to strangers and introducing them to God. How many times in our life are we open to the possibility of God meeting us in the stranger? As I come to the end, I've discovered this little quotation from Pope Benedict about the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He said this, they had hoped, they had believed, they had followed, and now they were disappointed. Who has not experienced in life a moment like this? Sometimes our faith enters into a crisis which, because of negative experiences, makes us feel abandoned and betrayed by the Lord. On our own journeys, the risen Jesus is a traveling companion who rekindles in our hearts the warmth of faith and hope. That resonated with me. I know what it is to walk like the two on the Emmaus Road, and I'm sure you do too. But actually, on my own journey, the risen Jesus is a traveling companion who does rekindle often in my heart the warmth of faith and hope. I have no idea where you are on your faith journey today, but you do. But what I do know is that wherever you are, the risen Jesus is a traveling companion with you. Simply he's there, often unknown, often unrecognized, until he speaks. Often he's simply there waiting to be recognized, longing for us to cry out to him, stay with us, Lord, stay with us. And so as we come to the end of our meeting this morning, I want us to consider our own faith journey. I want us to consider that simple little three-line, three-word sentence. Stay with us. I gave you at the beginning of the meeting, you should have had a little sheet. This was a prayer liturgy prepared by Bishop John Arnold. He's the Catholic Bishop of Salford. And when he became Bishop of Salford in 2015, what he said was, I want all of my parishioners every day to make that simple prayer, stay with us, Lord. Whatever your circumstances, whatever you find yourself doing, I want that little mantra, that little strap line to be what we use. Stay with us, Lord. And on that little sheet, you'll see there that there are lots of circumstances that you'll probably find yourself in daily. Some of them might apply to you just now this morning. And this morning, as Tricia plays some music for us, she's going to use that beautiful old tune of He Leadeth Me, and then we'll change it to pick up the beautiful words of He Leadeth Me to the much more modern tune. But as Tricia plays... I want you to just look over those little prayers 
And if there's one that applies to you this morning, why don't you say it as a spoken prayer? If it's where you're at on your journey, perhaps you just need to say to God this day, stay with me, Lord. I'm not lost, but stay with me. I'm on my journey. I don't know where I'm going to go, but I am aware of where I need to be going. Stay with me. I can't think of any better simple three-word prayer to make every day of the week for the next year than that simple three words. Stay with me. Is he with you? Would you like him to be with you? Would you want him to stay with you? As the music plays, make your own prayer. Two people on a road who were lost and were found, who became aware of his leading once again in their life, who knew what it was for him to stay with them. Let's pick up this beautiful song from our song, but the words will appear on the screen. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. Together. He leadeth me
Let's close our eyes and pray together. Lord, meet us on our road. Guide us on the path toward our destination. And renew our strength as we continue to walk and commune with you. Open our eyes so we see the signs of your presence around us. Open our hearts so we may receive your peace and love. And empower us to pass this on to others. To pass on the grace that you have shared with us so freely. That we may be faithful followers of yours. Stay with us, Lord, on our journey. Amen. I encourage you to take away that little prayer sheet, to use it in your own devotions, to take your own quiet moment and look at them, and to make simply that line, your prayer every day. Stay with us, Lord, on our journey. Thankfully, we know something of the amazing grace. We know something of what it is to be lost and found. And so to finish our meeting this morning, we use John Newton's classic song, 453, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I'm seen. See, to me, the Emmaus Road is a story of being lost and found. Faithful followers finding once again their Lord and asking him to stay with them on the journey. May it be so for us. Let's stand to sing.